Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello from the future. This is Brandon, the host and creator of Monster Eight the Pilot. You're getting this odd introduction due to the fact that Brandon used to have music on the podcast, and uh, that day finally came, and I'm starting to get episodes struck down. So I'm going through and getting all the music remo- removed. So you're getting this fun introduction to go over any time I had music playing at the beginning of the show. Um, if I'm not able to cut around it, like sometimes I talk over the music, so that's why this is here. Uh, yeah, so if there are references to songs or I seem to be talking about a song, I'm like, hey, I've got these three songs later. You know, look in the description of what they were. They will be cut out. I am working on it. It will take some time. Hopefully I don't get the ban while working on this stuff because a lot of these episodes are in the archives. And getting them out of the archives takes like 12 hours. But other than that, enjoy the show. Like I said, it's, uh, you know, I kind of fucked up by not knowing... Uh, but not understanding what I was reading when saying that Spotify Anchor allowed music on the podcast. I misunderstood what that meant. Anyways, yeah, it sucks, but we all get through it together. Enjoy the episode. It's the best episode ever. This is, Whatever episode this is on, it's the best episode ever. So listen, like, share, subscribe, support, all the fun stuff. Thank you. It is technically the Wednesday edition of the podcast done on Thursday because I took a nap yesterday, wiped out most of my day. <laughs> yeah, it was a good day yesterday. I did my, uh, I was cleaning up around the house in the morning. I thought about doing a podcast. Then I was like, ah, nah, I'll do it after my therapy session. I did my therapy session, and then I was like, um, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to take a nap. I mean, it was about 1.30, and uh, I woke up at 4.30. I'm like, oh, shit. I had to go to, I went to a show last night with a couple friends. So I'm like, I guess I'm gonna do the podcast tomorrow. Sorry to all those people who just ruined their day. I know it just it irritated you, but it irritated me too. You know, it's cool. Good times though. Good times. We're still gonna get through it. We're still gonna do it. We're gonna do it all together. We're gonna have a new day. I've got like a cool blue glow going on me. Too bad there's no more uh video. You guys could see how blue and cool it looks in my room. Uh opening song of the night is Hold Steady with Boys and Girls in America. One of the true great American songs of all time, not just of the two thousands, but of all time. Uh, I'm gonna have to go deep dive into that song for one of the songs of the week here soon. Um, once again, thank you to Anchor for sponsoring the podcast. I'm available on Stitcher, Amazon Radio Public, Google, Apple, Spotify, and Anchor. If you like what you've heard, spread the good word. Let everybody know what's kind of going on here. And uh, if you like, you know, maybe they'll like it, maybe they don't. If they don't, yeah, cool, whatever. Not a big deal. Um, if you join me for the first time, welcome. If you join me for the second time, cool. Thank you. Come back. Um, yeah, like I said, it's Wednesday. We'll go over the Springsteen Song of the Week. Then we'll do, well, I guess, go over a couple things. Um, update the Lost Rewatch. Uh, talk about the show I went to last night. Good time, great time. Talk about friends. Talk about a really great story that B.J. Barnum of American Aquarium told last night. It's pretty great. And then um, I had one other thing. Oh, a really cool article I read. We'll go over that as well. Ah, uh, yeah. But other than that, you know, got my, I said, did my therapy session yesterday. Good times. You know. Worked a little bit on that whole idea of running, um, or just that kind of feeling boxed in. Uh, well, fuck it, let's go into the whole article thing. Um, so, like, one, I guess it's a little bit of sports talk. Um, that's not a good, that's not a good one. Come on. Is it working? I don't think it's working. I don't know what I'm doing here. I really don't know. Okay, here we go. Sports talk. That is amateur shit. What's up? <laughs> Uh, no, um, the other day, it just came, became so apparently, like, the dip, like, you know, growing up as a, like, 90s kid and 2000s kid, like, ESPN used to be, like, the fucking, like, I don't know, the god of everything, you know, sit there 
just Saturday mornings nothing to do, just watch Sports Center. You know, I'd do that. I would literally watch Sports Center over and over again in the morning, just because I talk sports and I love sports so much as a kid. And I still love sports now. Um, I mean, I have a gold goddamn segment called Sports Talk. Uh, but the decline that has happened in the last like. I don't even see in the last, like, some people say it's, like, been the last, like, five, six years. I'm like, dude, it's been declining for a long time. Um, like, probably 2010, 2011 was when it started. And then, like, I'd say about 2004, 2015 became unbearable. But, like, kind of to see how far it has fallen in terms of just, like, content and integrity and just not having anything to fucking say and just trying to cater to people who don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, the other day, I'm... P- clicked on an article because I thought I was like, oh, you know, it seemed like kind of interesting. And all it was was um, them posting a basically what it thought. Oh, shoot. Just not a review, a take everything and put it into one place. Ah, fuck it. Um, of all the different NFL teams and all the shit talk they put on their Twitter accounts. And Jesus Christ, it took me like, I read like three things that a team said. I'm like, get this shit out of my face. This is so fucking stupid. They wasted, you know, money. They paid somebody to do this. They, like, that guy had to waste his time doing this. Like, one was, like, the Jacksonville Jaguars, like, posting a picture with the chargers as, like, a phone charger. Like, does anybody got a spare charger? And, like, what the fuck is that? Like, seriously, fuck off. Take that shit. Burn it in hell, please. Right beside Dr. Oz. Ha! <laughs> um, yeah, I was just, like, ugh. And, like, what really stood out was that then I get a message from The Athletic, who I subscribe to, who's fantastic. If you like sports journalism, I cannot recommend The Athletic enough. You can really fine-tune, like, that to be something that's very personal to you and, like, pick out writers that you like, you know. I said I get James Pierce stuff all day long. But somebody did an interview with Eric Cantona, who is a French footballer who I hate, but I really respect as a person. I hate him because he played for Manchester United, and he was fucking great for Manchester United. Um, if you're know a little bit about, like, soccer slash football, um, you would know one of his goal celebrations, he scores this, like, fucking incredible, like, chip from outside the box, and he does this whole, like, standing as, like, this statue kind of thing, like, just kind of turning and, like, just, like, uh, letting the cheers from the crowd, the just love of the crowd just bathe over me, it's a pretty fucking cool celebration, (laughs) like, I give him credit, but he's a, he's a, Really, really interesting guy. He retired at 30, even though he was still a great player. Now he's like an actor. He's just like kind of this, kind of a cool guy. He's a cool guy. And there, there's a lot of stuff in there, like just kind of reading it. Um, He's like kind of the same as me. I'm not going to be watching the World Cup this year because it's in Qatar. Not because it's in the Middle East, because some people are trying to make that. It's like, no, because like fucking thousands of people died to build their fucking stadiums on fucking slave labor. So I'm not interested in fucking supporting that. So fuck that. And, like, uh, he played, like, alongside Beckham, and Beckham just, like, signed this, like, $100,000 endorsement deal with, like, the, the fucking World Cup this year. And, like, he fucking calls out Beckham for it for being a fucking idiot. And, like, uh, he's talking about how he's not going to do anything. He's, like, it's a human rights violation. It's absolute an atrocity that this is happening in modern-day society. Uh, Canton is saying. And then, um, and he's also just going over his football career. Like, you know, I have that kind of with him. Like, I've always respected him for that. Like, kind of, because he's been very, very vocal against, like, the Qatari uh, World Cup, which I have zero interest in. Zero. I don't give a fuck who wins. I don't give a fuck who plays well. Like, fuck it. As long as, if Liverpool players go, as long as they don't get fucking hurt. You know, it's an absolute joke that it's happening. Um, like, yeah, like, seriously, they sort of try to say that FIFA's not, you know, set bladder for, like, whatever. He's, like, f- fucking super uh, corrupt. 
And he tries to say they're not, and then like the last two World Cups, Russia and fucking Qatar, get out of here. <laughs> you know, billionaire money just pouring into his pocket to make sure they get it. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, no, but then the Cante interview, he's talked about how he had like uh, he went and played Leeds, then he went to United, and uh, which is pretty crazy at the time because Leeds were fucking massive and they just won the they won the last first division title before the Premier League kind of took over um and Cantona moved to United and you know he's hated at Leeds for that (laughs) because that's that's one of the rivalries man um now you talk about when he went there you know he was considered a brat like if you look through his career like yeah he was kind of a he's a douchebag a lot of the times like he kung fu kicked a fan Like, yeah, he said that the fan said something about his mom, and, uh, you know, something I would do probably, too. I don't know. I probably would not on, like, a sporting event like that. I wouldn't go into the crowd, because there's too many variables of danger that you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, he said he said something about his mom, so he literally ran and just fucking jumped in the crowd, kung fu style, kicked the guy right in the fucking chest. <laughs> fucking cool for him, man. Um... Now, but then Cantona talked about how Fergie had Alex Ferguson, the manager in Manchester United, for years and years and years. <clears throat> had, like, a different set of rules. He told him he could kind of come and go as he pleased. If he didn't want to show up for training, didn't have to type stuff. And uh, Cantona talked about the whole idea of, like, you know, his issue was if you sat him down and say you've got a three-year contract, you have to be here for three years, he would immediately feel boxed in and, like, his passion and his, like, and, like, his anxieties, his passion would go, and then his anxiety would, like, go up, and, like, he'd start feeling like a prisoner. And I totally fucking related to that, big time. I think that's, like, that whole, that feeling of running, is when I really feel boxing, it's like, I gotta get out of here. I'm, you know, becoming a prisoner or something. Um, like, you know, I, like, with my job or something like that, you know, yeah, I might be at my job for the next five years, but if they told me I had to be there for five years, I'd start having some fucking problems. And, like, just being, oh, God, this is what I'm doing for five years? Uh, I don't know if I can do this. And that's, I don't know, I just, I have that boxed-in nature in myself, and, like, not knowing how to, uh, I guess I tried to work through that in therapy yesterday, just kind of talking about that. I'm like, you know, I don't know if that's a problem, really, though. I guess it's kind of a part of your personality, like a kind of a free spirit vibe. Like, you know, I don't want to be stuck five years, knowing I'm going to be stuck for five years. I want to have some spontaneity in my life in the next five years. I don't want to have, like, you know, Monday through Friday, I clock in, clock out, go home, do nothing, and wake up and just do it week after week after week, and all of a sudden I'm 75 years old and I can't move because my hips are fucking done. (laughs) Which I'm really learning that, man. Like I said, 32 is rough. Uh, We talked about the expectations of 32, and I hadn't, I don't know, I was like, I guess it's kind of the old idea of being settled down, or, um, you know, the idea of, like, either family, kids, or house, or whatever, and that's nothing I'm doing, uh, or especially the house stuff I have no interest in anymore. I think that's kind of played into more of that idea of, uh, like, what I was just talking about, the whole being boxed in. If I bought a house and said, this is my house, it becomes a whole new feature of my life that I'm, like, I'm tied to this for however long. I mean, I love this apartment. I don't plan to leave anytime soon, um, unless they jack my rent up or something like that, which, like I said, thankfully they have not touched my rent for three years. Um, but, yeah, so, like, if I, but if I bought the place, all of a sudden, my feelings about this place would change. All the things I'd have to do, or all the things that would become my responsibility, or just that, it just kind of becomes a tether or something like that to anything I want to do. I still want to, you know, at certain points to say, fuck it, I'm leaving, I'm going somewhere. You know what I mean? Um, and not having anywhere in mind. I might do that next week. I'm not sure if I'm going to Boston or not. Like I said, I just paid off all my debt, and, like, uh, I don't want to, 
automatically throw a whole bunch of debt right back on there. I mean, I've got some flight credits, so I could, you know, it wouldn't be that bad. At the same time, I just dropped two grand on a mattress, you know, and I just got the mattress this morning. Feels so good. I got my cooling sheets, my cooling protector on there. I'm going to be so cool because I am cool. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, I'm funny. Let's see. No, what was I saying? Oh, shit. Yeah, we talk about therapy being like, yeah, the tethering and like kind of where we're at and the expectation. I, you know, even went into how I've talked, I've said in the past couple episodes that I don't really want to live life by the age. I just want to live kind of life day to day in what I'm doing. And I think that's a kind of a good thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to see where, where, where we end up. Where's the world going to end, like, end up with old Brandon? Where's, where's he going to, you know, chew him out, chew him up and spit him out at? You know, is it out in Tucson, Arizona? <laughs> That's a what we do in the shadow reference. Good job, Brandon. I'm funny. Uh, I need to watch the rest of that. I need to rewatch season three. I don't remember anything from season three. I think I put it on one day in the background, and then like it just went through the whole season, and I wasn't paying attention at all. I just know there's like the Colin Robinson like and like uh, Laszlo become like best buds. <laughs> oh, then other sports news: Aaron Judge hit 61 last night. Home run number 61. Fucking incredible. It really is. Um, good for him. Great for him. I mean, no one, who knows? Who, I mean, you know, I doubt he's on steroids. I doubt, I, you know, I also, I don't get, really give a shit. The home run record's 73. Barry Bonds is the all-time home run leader. Like, I have the sport, the only sports conspiracy, like, one of my biggest sports conspiracies is that steroids really didn't do shit to baseball. Like, uh, all it did was help certain players to stay better longer. It didn't really, like, you know, it didn't help, you know, this guy who hit 10 home runs become a 50 home run guy. It did not do that. It did not do that. It just helped him be able to be a guy who could hit 10 home runs for 20 years instead of, like, 12 years. That's really what I was doing. But my real conspiracy is that uh, Bud Selig and Major League Baseball juiced the balls out of their fucking gills, and that's why the home runs exploded. They saw that dan- the response to the Chicks Dig the Long Ball commercial, and then they just started pumping those balls up to where they just flew out of ballparks. Like, that's that's the real thing that happened there. So, really, don't blame Barry Bonds and steroids. Blame, you know, Major League Baseball for, you know, just trying to be, ex- you know, making it exciting by hitting home runs, which, you know, it's kind of funny that that's not all everybody cares about, and the game is so fucking boring because it's all home runs. It's either, it's the three true outcomes, a strikeout, a walk, or a fucking home run. And there's no action. There's no movement. There's no first and thirds. There's hardly any, you know, taking two bases, stolen bases are way down because you got some nerds up top who've never, like, watched the game just saying, well, why would he steal? Or Jason Worth always said it best. Um, is when the shifts were really coming into prominence, so they had like a big shift on him. He's like, should I just bunt and I can get on first? But no, then the nerds, you know, guys that don't play the fucking game, up top say, no, just hit a home run. Like He's like, okay, I guess it's that fucking easy. <laughs> he's like, bunt, get on base. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's what... I get it, like, you know, it's, it makes, uh, it, it, I guess it improves your chance of winning, but jeez, it's not fun to watch anymore, at all. It's like, you try and you're just like, you're just waiting for a home run, you have like two seconds of excitement, and it's like, okay, now, this guy's gonna strike out, and then it's just going to be two and a half hours of no action, except like two, three home runs. I don't know. Whatever. What do I, what do I know? I mean, I only played the fucking game for 20, like, 20 fucking years. Uh, I'm bitter. Um... No, but I think I had I think I had a good therapy session yesterday. And that Cantona interview, if like I said, if you don't have the athletic, it is in your sports person. It is definitely worth it. It's worth every penny. I think it's 
I don't think it's that expensive. I mean, I got it. Uh, it lapsed on me, and I lost my account for a while. Um, it was right in the time where money was a little bit tighter than usual. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to renew for now. And then they gave me a great deal, like a, a dollar for the whole year. I was like, hell yeah, we're back in. <laughs> I think it's like 60 bucks. I think it's 60 I don't think it's that expensive for the whole year. Uh, if I'm thinking correctly, I may be 100% wrong there. Like, if you get there and it's 120 bucks or 200 bucks, hey, my bad, I guess I told you wrong, but, you know, don't blame me, I don't know anything. I am very upfront about the how I don't know shit about nothing. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but then, uh, also this week, I, re- I got the, uh, Lost Rewatch, I started season two, I didn't go back to season one stuff yet, I still might. Uh, maybe I'll watch the whole show, then go back to my favorite episodes, and kind of, or, like, favorite, like, four or five episodes of each season. And watch those again. Um, yeah, so I watched Man of Science, Man of Faith, which is the introduction of Desmond. Um, great episode. Really great episode as well. Great start. Gets the intrigue going. Um, you have that Jack-Lock dynamic of Jack, uh, or like Lock wanting to go into the uh, hatch. And Jack's trying to like, we gotta wait out, we gotta wait out here, you know, he gives, like, this big, roaring, you know, unifying speech to all the survivors, and then Jack, or Locke immediately undermines him and saying, well, I'm going back to the hatch, you know, you guys can sit here and wait, or whatever, yeah, uh, good episode, see another life, brother, you have more of the, you know, you have the Jack, uh, in the operating room with Sarah, I'm gonna fix you, and the big emotional point where, you know, he does he thinks he's failed, and, you know, Jack can't handle failure. And then it turns out he didn't, and, like, she can actually move, and she's not paralyzed, and, you know, he they all cry, and it's great. Um, great Jack. Once again, great Jack-centric. There's only one bad one. It's that fucking... Te- I, I'm, I don't want to skip any episodes. That's the thing. I'll, I'll watch Expose, the Nikki and Paolo episode. I'll watch Fire and Water, the shitty Charlie episode. I'll watch some of the bad shit in, uh, like, uh, I think season five has a couple of episodes that are just like, whatever. Um, yeah, but, like, that Strange in a Strange Land episode about the tattoos, that's going to be a rough one to get through. That episode is just bad. Everywhere it is bad. I can't remember the B-plot. Maybe the B-plot will redeem it a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, it's like... Like I said, with the Charlie episode, if they would have just done a little bit more with that storyline, like, um, you know, Aaron's importance or whatever, Fire and Water would have, could have been a better episode in retrospect. But they didn't do anything with it, so it kind of makes it shitty. It makes it a really bad episode. Stranger or Stranger, there's no chance that episode's any good. There, there's no retrospect like, oh, well, you know, if they would have done this later on. Unless somehow they tied, like, Jack's tattoos into the end game of the show. <laughs> Which would have been stupid. <laughs> So it just would have been a horrible episode, no matter what they did. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, then I watched Adrift, which is season uh, the Michael-centric. It's an alright episode. It's not weak, but it's definitely not a great episode. Like, I like the Michael stuff. Michael and Sawyer on the raft. Sawyer pulling the fucking bullet out of his arm. Um, the problem with Michael was he was always one note. My son, my son, my son, my son. That was literally all his character kind of was, and... It's a little frustrating at times. Um, but you do get the cool thing at the end where Jin runs out of the the jungle and the other, not the others, the other survivors are back there. Are there and they look so goddamn menacing, Echo. Mr. Echo. Um, but then the B-plot is like kind of telling what goes on in the hatch from Locke's perspective and it makes it kind of a weaker episode. And then episode three is orientation where they're trying to fix the... 
you get Anna Lucia being revealed to be alive on the island, and then you get uh, Locke and Jack arguing more, just bump, bumping heads about the fucking button. And you get the introduction, you get the true introduction of the button, and like you know, you get Desmond running off, you know, and I married her from Jack. <laughs> oh. I fucking love Desmond. I can't wait for him. He comes back, like, right at the end of the season. So, yeah, this is going to be great. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for season two. Uh, it's Everybody Loves Hugo. I think then it's And Found and then Abandoned, if I'm thinking correctly. Abandoned being the episode where Shannon gets shot. Um, yeah, it's, it's, like, so weird. Like, um, they seem like at the end of season one they're going to expand Shannon's character and, like, make her little bit more, like, she's going to have a development from this. And then I think once they decided to introduce all the, uh, the tailies, the tail section survivors, I think they realized their cast was way too bloated and Shannon was kind of the easiest one to get rid of. And so that's why she goes, because, like, she does nothing in season two outside of she sees Ghost Walt. Like, that's really all she does season two, then she gets shot. Like, yeah, so, like, um... I think they just realized once they kind of started writing season two, they had nothing for Shannon. They had to do something to kind of, and also builds that tension between the Tailies and the Fronties. I don't know <laughs> the original survivors and the tail section of survivors. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna be good stuff. Season two's great as well. Like I said, there's a couple bumps in the road there. Like Adrift's not a great episode. It's uh, like I would consider like in terms of like season one, Adrift might be a little bit better. Than what the case may be, or whatever the, is it whatever the case may be, yeah. And so it it it'd be weakest season one stuff, but Fire and Water would be the weakest episode overall in the first two seasons. Okay, moving on from Lost. Went to a show last night with some pals, old J Bell, karaoke Chris, and my good buddy Jake. All came up, had a good time, wonderful time. We went to Old Oak on Oak and Parsons. I thought it was like a restaurant. And it was not. It was like, it's just a bar. I guess you could get food there, but, like, it turns out it was speed dating night. Yeah, so I walk in, and the guy's like, oh, you're here for speed dating? And I'm like, I don't like the fact that he assumed that about me. Yeah, I know I looked good. I mean, damn, I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't like the fact that he just assumed that I'm walking in for speed dating. I think that's kind of, that, 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 that was not very nice of you, sir. <laughs> I know you can assume that, but don't just ask, you know? Feel a guy out first. <laughs> Yeah, but we went and watched uh, American Aquarium at uh, the Bluestone, which is one of my favorite places up here in Columbus for music. Uh, it's a great old, uh, I think it's an old Baptist church. Maybe it's a Methodist church. I don't fucking know. Beautiful church that they've turned into a concert venue. It was something else before the concert venue. Somebody's telling me about it, but I don't know what it was. Uh, it was a good time. It's my second time there. I watched Lucero and William Elliott Whitmore like 10 years ago with JR. This time was better because there was no JR. <laughs> Jeez. Roasted. I'm funny. Um, yeah, it's a good show. Like, fucking American Aquarium were great. What was it? Jesse Daniels opened. He was pretty solid. Uh, but American Aquarium came out. One, two, Can't You Hear Me Knocking by the Stones, which that'll be one of the songs of the week this week because that's, that's such a great fucking track. Um, and they come up, and for hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, they just go. They literally just go. They No breaks, no stories, nothing. They just get up, put their fucking stuff on, and they go for an hour and a half, and they just fucking kill it. Absolutely incredible show. Great show. Um, absolutely worth every cent that you'd spend on the price of a mission. They are just, they are a fine-tuned machine. Um, 
and they played such a mix. They don't play just new stuff. They don't play a whole lot of old stuff. They just, you know, they hit every single record a little bit here and there. There's songs that you want to go back and listen to. Keeps you wanting to come back for more, which is key. Um, yeah, you know, they didn't play Jacksonville, which is my favorite American Aquarium song. Um, Man, I'm supposed to be. They didn't play Shadows of You. They didn't play like a whole bunch of songs I absolutely love. But every song they've also played, I loved. I'm like, yeah, because um, yeah, it was just it was a great show. Just absolutely. Man, they fucking kill it. BJ attacks the microphone. It's really cool to see he'll back up. And the way he looks at that microphone, he's coming up to fuck it up. And it's it's really cool. Shane, the guitarist, is really... I, I really like his guitar tones and abilities. Uh, I know Justin really liked Losing Side of 25, the weird little guitar lick that's at the very beginning. Of that, that's throughout that song, that little riff. Um, what's on my face? I don't know what's on my face, but it's good. It's okay. We're okay. Um... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, he like loses side of twenty five that opening guitar riff. Then, then uh, their bassist. They're, I, I I missed his name when he was introducing everybody. It was it was a different bassist than the last time I saw him? Last time I saw him was probably like three or four years ago. It was that night I met Corey Brandon. Um, and a different bassist then. This time, this bass is so fuck cool. We did like backup vocals and stuff, and. <laughs> He had such a bass power stance. We got like kind of the wide. You're kind of lean back. Yeah, you're lean back pretty far. You got the your legs are nice and wide. One's kind of out in front of the other, and you're just you're just you're giving the fingers to that bass, man. <laughs> oh shit, it was great. Um, God, they they were they get better every time I see them. Like I said, I know, uh, and BJ even talked about it, how he's went through like 32 band members over the years. And they finally took him, like, when he's getting sober to realize, you know, you know, one guy, two guys quits. Yeah, fuck them or whatever. You know, they weren't talented enough. They didn't have the drive. But when 30, he said, like, 31, 32 people quit on you, it's like, you know, there's one common denominator in this band, and it's me, you know. And that, that was one of the coolest parts is whenever uh, the band, instead of doing an encore, like, you know, where they all fake go behind the the curtain for 45 seconds waiting to come back right back out. Uh, BJ just played a couple acoustic songs and brought him back out. And, oh, he told some good stories. And one, another one of those, like I was talking about Eric Cantona earlier being like a kindred spirit with the whole, you know, not wanting to be told everything. Another, like, I want to go back to the Cantona thing real quick. Another cool thing he said was when he would sign deals with uh, sponsors was that if they put like a clause in that he couldn't talk about politics or couldn't talk about certain things, he would literally rip it up and say, you know that no, you literally want me to be your like sponsor me because of the man I am, not the man you want me to be. So you know, get that clause out. I'm not fucking signing it, which is really good, really good. That's a really good thing to remember when they want to like. If you ever have something and somebody comes in wants to buy it or wants to negotiate with it and wants to change certain things, like no, you're like you're basically signing me up because of what I do, not what you want me to do. Like, yeah, I can take some criticism, like take some constructive criticism or take some coaching, but ultimately the reason I'm here is what I've been doing. So I think that's a really good kind of tactic. Now, obviously it's not always the best tactic, depends on what you're working in. Obviously it's a little easier when you're a footballer. Um, yeah, but going back to the BJ show or the BJ part of the show last night. Oh, I got to cut back. I got to cut back. I am all over the place. So early in the show, um, I'm wearing my really fucking cool jean jacket with all my cool buttons on it. And, man, it is fucking good. It's so good to be back in jean jacket weather. Jean jacket weather! Um, so happy about it. Um, I'm wearing it. It's got all my cool buttons. 
And at one point, I'm sitting there, I think I'm talking, or I'm, I'm not sure if I'm watching uh, Jesse Daniels or maybe if me and, uh, it might be in between sets. I think it is. I think it's in between when Jesse Daniels was done American Aquarium came on the stage. Um, I'm talking, and all of a sudden, I feel like hands kind of on my chest opening my jacket. And I'm like, what the fuck? I look down, and it's the woman in front of me. <laughs> she missed, She must have saw me at speed dating and came over. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck's happening? She's like, oh, what does your shirt say? I'm like, okay, whatever. Then her friend's like, you can't just grab people and open their jackets. I'm like, yeah, it's no, not a big deal, whatever. And I'm wearing uh, my Damn I'm Good shirt, which is uh, a Dale Earnhardt reference. You know, raise hell, praise Dale. Um, he wore this shirt one time, Damn I'm Good, and I fucking loved it. Yeah, so I bought one. Um, I think Homage makes it. Yeah, there's the H. Uh, she was looking at that. She's like, oh, I just wanted to read a shirt. And he's like, he wore that shirt so it could be read. I'm like, she does make an excellent point. I do wear certain shirts so people would read them. Now, I would kind of would prefer if somebody would say, hey, can I read your shirt? And I would open my jacket. Not you just come up and just open my jacket. And then the other girl was like, I love your jacket. I love all the buttons on your jacket. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then... um. So I kind of, she's like, yeah, she's like, you know, did you even read his shirt? And so I had to open the jacket again. And then the original girl who, like, opened the jacket herself just grabbed my nipple and just, like, tweaked it. It was odd. <laughs> it was something. It was something that happened. It was a good time, though. I had a good time. We didn't, uh, been, I don't think I spoke to him after that. Like, not out of choice. It, it just, you know, that was the end of it. He tweaked my nipple and walked away. Thank you. American Aquarium girl, I guess. <laughs> She's not one that got away. Uh, let's see. But what else happened there? Oh, I... You know, we started talking... We talked to them a little bit, and Chris said something about, you know, well, we, we've we been so mesmerized by the buttons, we hadn't even noticed the shirt. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I got a layered attack going on the night. That's what I said. I'm pretty funny. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You gotta get through the jacket, get to the shirt, and then you get to the man. Uh, okay, back to BJ's part for the third time. He tells, like, a kindred spirit moment for me. Like, an absolute... You know, both songs, kindred spirits, or... I guess both stories he told. Um, I guess his... You know, for... During... His mother died on New Year's Eve 2020. Uh, very sorry to hear that. Rest in peace. And he talked about... Uh, she had dementia. And he kind of talked about, you know... The day she died wasn't that bad because it was so much better than seeing her continue to suffer. I'm like, I've, I think I've literally said that on this podcast about my dad and like, you know, how my dad had the same stuff. And he played a beautiful song. Um, I can't think of it right now. Let me look it up real quick. It deserves to be mentioned. It's off the newest record. Oh, come on. The first year. It's a oh, great song. Beautiful song. And he talked about how, uh, you know, every day on his birthday she would call and she would always say, you know, you know, whatever years it was ago, at this exact time, we'd call her exact time he was born and say, you came in basically like, you ruined my life. <laughs> I had hopes and aspirations and then you came along and fucked them all up. <laughs> My mother says that to me. No, she doesn't. My mom would never say I act like my mom says stuff like that to me all the time. My mom has never said a word like that to me. Yeah. And then um, he talked about his dad, you know, having, like, the first time it was real was whenever it was his birthday. And that is 734 
he didn't get that call, and that was like the that was when it became real that she was gone, like true, like you know. And um, you talk about his dad kind of figuring out on his anniversary, and like they were married on Fourth of July. My parents were married on Valentine's Day, eloped on Valentine's Day because Catholics are assholes, you know. Because my mom and dad couldn't get married because they were both divorced. That's so fucking stupid. <sighs> Religion. Uh, but then he also told a story about being an addict and stuff like that, and like you know, and a big part of why he talks about it every single night, you know, his addictions and stuff like that. In the like you know, when he does like his acoustic stuff, he always talks about it. And the reason he does that because it's like an, it's like an accountability thing, and that's exactly how I feel about whenever I talk about it. It's mostly just being accountable. Like you know, I could. I'm not somebody who likes to share a whole lot on social media at all. Like you know, but I will. You know, but when I first kind of shared. That I was like three months sober on Facebook. The whole point of doing that was basically a challenge myself. Like you now, now everybody's going to ask you about it, or everybody's going to know, or everybody's going to be aware of it. And now that puts not pressure, but it definitely puts the onus on you to continue to do the things that you're doing to be get better and to stay positive and to do all that stuff. And like now, now what well, we're to well, we're 25 months. I have to drop the months thing now. I think 24 months is when you drop the months and you just kind of say, now it's been two years and a month or whatever. Yeah, so good for me, great for me. Good for BJ, it's like, what do you say, nine? Or do you say seven? I think seven. I, damn it, I'm sorry, I can't remember. Um, yeah, but like I said, like having that cool kindred spirit moment is always neat. And like I said, it also it helps you connect with the music more when you kind of can see yourself in the music. I think uh, Dave Grohl talks about talking to Springsteen about being a lead singer when he was like doing the Foo Fighter stuff. He's like... um you know, the fans are all there because they see a bit of themselves in you. You need to look out the crowd and see a bit of yourself in them. And, like, I think that's wonderful advice for performers. It's like you need to remember that these people are there because, like, whatever. So, uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was a great show last night. The band came on. They played Rattlesnake as their last song, which is one of their old songs. They even played, like, uh, Hurricane, which is one I was hoping they'd play, but they did not. I don't know. It was a great, great set. It was a great time with my friends last night. I was good to see them. Great to see them. You know, I don't see karaoke Chris that often. I think we're getting tickets to Jason Isbell and Ashland. I think he said February. That's a little ways off. Uh, not that far off, I guess. It, nothing's ever far off anymore. It's just time, man. Time isn't real. No time is real, bro. Oh, shit, we're getting into it, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> it was good to see J-Bell. I'm glad he's back in Ohio. Uh, maybe we could play jam out sometimes. He's offered to be the uh, like the the studio guy for me. If I ever have like multiple guests on and need somebody to kind of control everything, that he would come on and do that for me. I'm like, hell yeah. I hope you enjoy getting paid in exposure. <laughs> oh, shit. And also after the show last night, it also gave me like the itch. Like I really, I'm going to play some music today and do some cool stuff. I've been playing a little bit of piano while I, while I was prepping myself mentally for the show today. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to hook up anything, but I'm definitely going to fuck around with some stuff today and see what I can get done. See if I can, you know, soldier on and finish a fucking song today. Probably not, but you never know. Maybe I'll pick up another half-written song. It's like I said, all I need to do is sit down, take all my half-written songs, take the stuff I like, and I probably would mesh out a couple different songs. I'm like, oh, these are kind of in the same uh, subject matter or tone, and like I think I can make them work melodically. Shit, there we go. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh. Then again, I might just lay in bed all day because I got that new mattress and cheese. Guys, I can't tell you how fucking comfortable it is. I am so excited. I'm so, 
so, so excited. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Also, it's always good to see Jake. Like I said, I might go hang out with Jake next week. Like I said, I took a vacation day because I was going to go to Boston. But now, like, even though I'm going to get, like, basically, a, I should get, like, a free flight, I think, is basically how it maths up. Um, I don't know if I want to spend the money on hotel rooms. You know what I mean? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Also, I think Gaslight's at, uh, in Detroit, is it the week after? Which is an easier drive to make. I could always just go to Detroit. Let me see. You know, Detroit, it has everything. <laughs> oh, shit. Now they're the second, so they will actually be... Yes, that's this Sunday, and I can't do this Sunday. Oh, uh, whatever, man. You got some good plans. I'll, I'll figure it out. I always figure it out in the end. I think we all do. I talk about that in therapy, too, about how I think most people actually have zero idea what the fuck they're doing. As you get older, you kind of realize, you know, like, people think I've got it together, and I'm just kind of like, the fuck are you talking about? What do you see that I don't? Because I do not have a lot of shit together. I mean, I, I do things, and I... I do what I need to do, but I never feel like I'm doing anything, you know what I mean? I feel like that's how most people are. They just do what's expected, and all of a sudden they're like, I didn't really try, or I didn't really do anything. I didn't do what I expected that I was doing when I was like a kid or whatever, you know what I mean? You always have those expectations, and it's always different uh, some way. Like, oh, when you get older, it's going to be like this, and you get older, it's like, there's no difference to when I was kind of a kid except responsibility. I don't know. I'm not sure what go there. there. There's something there I can I could probably figure out more. But yeah, I think most people just have no idea, and they just kind of do shit that they're expected to do, and they accomplish it, and then everybody's like, you, yeah, you, you know, you figured out being an adult. And I'm like, I haven't figured out a goddamn thing. Uh, whatever. I got the crew game on Saturday. They need a win. They need the win. They have to win. I don't even think they need it. They have to win. Eighth place, which I guess the MLS goes off, who has the more wins instead of goal difference, which is fucking stupid. Like, you know what I mean? You sit there pull out a 1-0 win out of your fucking ass. Like, you get over a team that, you know, fucking dominates games more? I don't know. I, I think goal difference is the better way to go. Oh! But at the same time, don't have 15 fucking draws, Columbus. Jesus. I was looking at that. 15 fucking draws this year. Like, uh, I think, as I said, like, the 19 points drop from winning positions or whatever. Inexcusable bullshit. Like, they've got to get a win. They have to win. It's, like, literally cannot drop points on Saturday. And my sister, not my sister, uh, my brother, my sister-in-law, my mother, and my niece are coming up for the big game. Should be a good time. Great time. Wonderful time. Uh, yeah, be a good time then. But other than that, I think it is time for the Bruce Springsteen, uh, the song of the week. What did I pick? Oh, yeah, I know what I did. I picked From the River. I made a reference to the song last week, so it pops in my head. I'm like, God, I love that fucking song. It happens with Bruce all the time. I'll make a reference to a certain song, and then it just it clicks in my brain. This is Off of the River. This is one of his, uh, how did the, what did the guy say? Oh, shit. Jimmy Gutterman. This is the guy's name. One of the m most pessimistic and helpless depictions of life and love gone wrong. Because that's what this song's about. It's kind of love gone wrong, and you know, your wife, your life is moving on, and you're getting left behind, and you just don't want to fade away. That's right. Off the River. Song number four off this, too. So that makes it, what, song 15 for the river? Uh, it is Fade Away from Bruce.
by the boss here. I fucking love this song. I think I think I've finally decided that the river is number two in the Springsteen catalog. I think it's number two, but then again, I'll probably listen to something from Nebraska later and change my mind for the ten billion fucking time. But I think the the epic length of it, you know, the two like the double album, which fuck yeah. Uh, let's see, let's pause that there. Um, the length of the river, you know, say the double album, and also the river. I'm going to have to talk about that song. When I talk about, I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to talk about my Uncle Jim, too, because apparently that was one of his favorite songs. Um, yeah, there's so much great stuff. Cadillac Ranch I've played on here. Um, I haven't, I've mentioned Stolen Car. Uh, I'm going to, there's going to be a day when probably the entire podcast will be based on Stolen Car. <laughs> Oh shit! Drive all night just to buy you some shoes. Like that's such a ah. I stop. Fade away is such a great song. Like I said, Fanarisi just kills it. Then you have the piano kind of mixing in and out with um. No oh, shit. Oh, Bitten, Roy Bitten, and then um. Like I said, Talent is carrying that song with his bass. It's pretty fucking great. Uh, like oh this that lyric in verse two. Um, what is it? Oh, here we go. And that somewhere back along the line, you lost your love and I lost your trust. Now rooms that were once, that were, bleh, and now rooms that were so bright are filled with the coming night. Oh, darling, I don't want to fade away. Whew, like I said, it's a guy who realizes he kind of fucked it all up. Maybe by racing in the street. That's how you connect that song. Maybe he was uh, racing, it's kind of like, it's very similar to racing in the street a little bit. Like, you know, it's more from the guy's point of view. That last, you know how that last verse in uh, Racing in the Street changes to the woman's perspective. Like, her just kind of, you know, seeing her life pass by and stuff like that. She talks about this in this song, too. And now it's from that guy realizing, oh, shit, you know, hanging out with Sonny in my, you know, you know, 69 Chevy with the 396, the fuelie heads and the hearse on the floor. You know, doing all that with Sonny, you know, he kind of fucked it all up, and now she's faded, and he, now he's, she's got another man, man. At the same time, maybe he says, I hope he don't, I hope he breaks your heart. American Aquarium reference. That's always a fun one for them to play. Oh, anyway, that's been me for the evening. I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for understanding. Um, I think we've had a good time, great time, wonderful time today. Um... If you like what you've heard, spread the good word. You can like, share, subscribe, support. Uh, Google, Apple, Amazon, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Apple. Set them out of order again. Fucked it all up. Um, yeah, you can listen to me basically anywhere podcasts are really available. If you find a service that I'm not on, I could probably find a way to get on there. Just go to wherever, bro. Um, other than that, I will be back Sunday with three songs of the week that will be including Can't You Hear Me Knocking by the Rolling Stones. So if you want to prep yourself for that, um, go right ahead. <laughs> I fucking love that song, man. They came out to that on stage. Guys came out from the curtain. They had the drum kind of in this little alcove on the on the uh, church stage, and it was pretty fucking cool. Uh, they came out, and they had Can't You Hear Me Knocking just going. Woo! It's good. Um, other than that, I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for understanding. Stay positive. Get better. Raise hell. Praise Dale. All the fun stuff. Let's get out of here. Have a good rest of your day.